Hello and a very warm welcome to the Bitcoin Effect, your business podcast. I am here today with my dear co-host, Peter. Hello. Hello, Martin. My pleasure. And no one else, because sometimes the two of us are enough. This is a follow-up episode to our episode with uh, Roy Shenfield, where we want to talk about one specific topic that he mentioned, one story that he told. Roy is the founder of Breeze. And Breeze has a Bitcoin wallet, among other things. And he told us one story that when they started with Breeze, when they started with the Bitcoin wallet, they started as a regular wallet with just regular wallet functionalities. And at some point, they noticed a lot of merchants using their wallet. And then they introduced a new functionality specifically for this target group which was a point of sales and an inventory so that they could add their goods and services and then just build them accordingly in the wallet. And their growth 10x. And a second time where they introduced Podcasting 2.0 as one of the first apps into the Breeze wallet and their growth spiked again by a factor of 10x. And... Whenever there is something like a 10x growth, there's usually some event and some learning to take out of this. And it's usually something that doesn't only happen once, but the pattern is kind of repeatable if understood well. And so this is what we are going to talk about. What exactly happened in this? If you haven't heard the episode with Roy, then um, how dare you? Obviously, for this discussion, it's valuable to hear it first. Uh, but not fully necessary. So maybe, Peter, you've been in the episode as well. What do you think happened there? Hmm. And is there any additional thing that Roy mentioned that you would like to add to the story? Yeah, first additional thing is that I believe that the 10x moment happened already at the very beginning, even before they started a wallet, because what Roy told us in his story is that he don't he, that he did not even like the term wallet itself mm-hmm. which is kind of a technical term or not that much technical but pretty much linked to the crypto and bitcoin community and and the, the people who use that and the first thing that he understood at the very beginning already was that he said that he wanted to help people to send and receive payments mm-hmm. So that was already basically the beginning of a what I call a jobs to be done mindset, which means that or the theory behind that says that people are not just buying products, but hiring hiring them in a certain circumstance or in a certain situations to get a job done better, to make whatever so progress. And so here's already the root of what or the seed of 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 this 10x moment uh, as an unknown unknown I, I i guess yet because i thought as he told the story it wasn't probably he was not really conscious about w- what all that means mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. he seems to have had a an underlying idea a feeling of that it's better but don't know the mechanics 
just to be clear, jobs to be done for those that are not familiar with the term. So a job doesn't mean like a job in a work that I have to do, but uh, or or a profession I'm doing, but something that you want done and you kind of hire a product or a service to do whatever you want done. So in this term, in this part, the job would be help me to get lightning payments done easier or something like this. Yeah, it's probably going to go too deep then to 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 roll it out completely. Uh, just one one more thing to add: that's not enough yet for for a, for a job because that covers only a very narrow functional dimension of it. It could be also some to get something emotional done or social done. Like how will I be? How would I like to be perceived by others? Could be a job as well. Or there are mm -hmm. components, and there's always the functional layer is pretty easy to see or easier. Mm -hmm but less mm -hmm. important. That's important to mm -hmm. remember. Yeah. Okay. So others are describing it more like a purpose that could also be a, a metaphor to grasp it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that was the beginning. So they designed this app <laughs> or wallet and uh, started uh, with more or less research. I guess I haven't heard pretty much about the research that they have been doing up front for it. From what I understood, it was more like a decision made from their goal of doing something for Bitcoin and yeah. wanting to make using Lightning easier and getting Lightning from, because it was at a time that the HODL meme yeah. came up where people were like, just, okay, I want to hold my Bitcoin to transition to, I want to spend my Bitcoin to actually increase the value of Bitcoin by making it not only a barrier asset, but something that is used as a currency as well. Yes. So, and then they started, they started developing it, uh, implemented it, rolled it out, launched it, however you like to call that, and were kind of playing around and trying to improve it. And, and suddenly, by randomly, they discovered an anomaly, like they discovered a, a demand. Mm -hmm. And that, as it sounded in that story, kind of just happened to them it, mm -hmm. it wasn't enforced it wasn't planned so like no big data analytics yeah. behind it and seeing what trends are and what people use it but it was kind of randomly observed exactly yeah so and based on that issue they started a research from mm -hmm. that moment on and that's pretty good. I mean, that's more, uh, that's something like pretty much motivated by the event itself. And uh, mm -hmm. okay, so they found or they discovered that uh, merchants would like to use it and, and they did their research and then figured out how to do it better so that they could use more of it or whatsoever. So <laughs> the good news is you don't have to wait until something like that happens to you by accident or randomly, mm -hmm. you could research up front. It seems sounding like magic. Like, how would you know what you don't know? How, how can you see the things that you don't mm -hmm. see that you don't even know that they exist? But there's a way to do that. And if you don't do it, okay, it's going to take some time more to become successful or you comp you're, you're basically competing mm -hmm. against luck uh, then. That's what I call it. And yes, so they discovered that demand with or without research. They implemented something new. They changed their product. They, they redesigned their value proposition or designed a new value proposition, new product, a new service or package bundle whatsoever. 
and mm -hmm. <laughs> discovered, wow, <laughs> this this is creating more demand, like or uh, they they matched the demand and created somehow a new market that hasn't been there mm -hmm. before. So yeah, how how do you think they created this market? Because what he said, they added basically two sets of. Uh, from a development standpoint, very easy to implement functionalities, which was like the point of sale yeah. functionality and the inventory for goods and services. But how was this a new market? I mean, a new market is like there was no market for merchants. No, there was no Bitcoin or Lightning payment market for merchants before. Or mm -hmm. Very, very small. Mm -hmm. Not in, in, in that field where they've been mm -hmm. working, at least. So this market is very tiny yet. Mm -hmm. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and, and it's growing and growing and growing. And what they discovered was basically, from my point of view, that merchants are using it and they try to figure out why. And that's really important. Not just the correlation mm -hmm. that it happens. Like this, these are two things and, and two events that, that happen Uh, that take place at the same time, more or less. So we implement this, mm -hmm. and 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 they, they they use it. That this is somehow qualitative. This is uh, mm -hmm. correlated. But they try to figure out what is the causality behind that, and that mm -hmm. allows them to design a better product, and uh, helps them to find out that it's not the app itself, but it's the job for what they hire this functionality basically what does it for them how looks the progress they are seeking to make so for the market part it's basically there was a demand they discovered the demand they offered a solution or they offered a basically there was no no real solution before that so they offered a solution and the moment there was a solution for the demand this kind of created the market and the market creation what was was what not caused but was perceivable in the 10x growth that they experienced yes that was as i said just the beginning and it's not i mean we didn't talk about numbers that it's it's a, it's been a startup very early so it's always easy mm -hmm. to make a 10x from really yeah. low numbers as <laughs> so it is yeah. way more difficult Uh, if you, if you have already huge revenues and 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 making 10x from a higher level on yeah but of course anyhow this is just the beginning this probably not it's, it's the beginning of creating a market let's 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 uh, but what they did was they managed to connect the demand with their product so they had kind of mm -hmm. problem solution fit probably not mm -hmm. really perfect not very good but better than other solutions their customers have had until that moment for that person's in 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 this circumstances whatsoever those circumstances were i don't know what 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 problem they 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 solved better with it because we haven't mm -hmm. talked about that could be that they reducing uh, fees for example foreign payments or whatsoever or maybe for, for micro payments or i don't know what, what it was mm -hmm. or it was easier to implement way easier to to implement uh, lightning payments as it is to implement uh, whatever uh, credit card payments for example mm. it, it's just guessworking what i can do here right now yeah so and 
that that was the first step and from then on they started to improve that and maybe again guessworking were able to target better mm -hmm. like as you have to figure out as well when you have a great product but nobody knows it <laughs> then then uh, nobody will buy it so uh, mm -hmm. from one point on you have to make sure that those with that job to be done in these circumstances have the chance to to get aware of your better solution mm -hmm. so you can address that and you have to make sure that you that you are with your message in the right place at the right time if not you're not relevant if i'm not mistaken they did very little from a marketing perspective and mainly from a word of mouth and this is a solution and so on perspective but the interesting part to me is that there's this like i, I mean word word of mouth mouth is exactly also marketing there is no, no yes marketing of course from to me at least yeah right? but okay yeah, people yeah, like that, to believe that's, it that's but true. it's not yeah that's true but it's insofar different as it connects closer to the quality of your product than for example ads do so ads don't connect Hey, you, you can have, have a referrer a and great that, that weighs more. This, yeah. is, this is more reliable yes, to, yes. to most people. Yeah. 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 And harder to achieve if your product isn't great. And that's the interesting part because they improving the quality of their lightning services in terms of reliability or fee structure or fee, uh, fee high or something like that is way more difficult from a development perspective. So this was kind of a a small thing, a small feature from how much development it costs and how difficult it was to implement, but the impact was quite high. And so these, these big levers where you have a big return on invest on the feature, mm -hmm. to me, sound like something that business profit most for finding them. Because obviously they have the highest return on invest. So if you implement the features with the highest return on invest, <laughs> that's the most interesting part. Yeah. But To do that, you would have to know what these features are. And so the question is, how can you find these features? By first step is to getting aware of that your brain is, 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 is kind of not really useful to think that way. You need a different mindset for it because your brain is trained to come up with solutions for whatever problem mm -hmm. it sees. It comes up with a solution. That's where humans or human brains are specialized in. Uh, the thing is, if you, if, you, if you think five seconds longer on that topic and you, you you think, okay, I believe that I have a perfect solution or a better solution, but without mm -hmm. having the problem thoroughly understood. So how would that, how would that work? It's basically yeah. a question of luck again. So that's why I'm, uh, I said before that you're competing against luck when you, when you come up with a solution for a problem that you haven't thoroughly understood so but if so so the first thing is instead of start building something just to step back think about it say what are the underlying assumptions do i really know what problem it solves am i absolutely mm -hmm. sure that this is the problem that matters most to the customers meaning this is the one feature where they will be willing to pay more for it And this is not yeah. one of the irrelevant features that are saying, okay, yeah, it's okay, but I wouldn't pay for it. Mm. I take it, but I, if you ask me if I will buy it, yeah. But, so 
and and two things that were lucky for them at that point when they made this observation that that that, that merchants behave the way they discovered like that they like to buy more of it or were asking stuff was they they observed behavior not yeah. not meaning not 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 opinions so opinion is you ask someone up front hey if we build this solution would you buy it and they say yeah for sure why not <laughs> so but then you, they don't. You, you, you have absolutely zero evidence that they will behave that way as they have been mm -hmm. promising you yeah and you need to do your research in a way that you can observe behavior and find patterns in that behavior so as i as i as i said they could observe that behavior they observed that behavior changed their product or their value proposition adapted it to it to a problem that matters most or more mm -hmm. and that's what caused later on uh, the 10x at the first in the, in the first point and then later again and again so the question is if you want to forerun your market or create a market would you wait to discover by accident uh, such a behavior Or is there something that you could do to know it up front and to do the research first and then come up with better solutions? And it's not a lot of research that you need to do for it. Hmm. You have done research um, about like 800 research projects like this to identify what the relevant uh, features are, to identify um, what the customers really want, hmm. mainly using the jobs to be done methodology. When thinking about these interviews with customers the research you have to do mm. up front to avoid building on assumptions that are essentially more false than true and have a big risk and then having a project or product fail uh, more often than not what is the most important thing in this research what 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 are the most important things that people should look out for when they try to understand customer behavior, the jobs that need to be done for the customer, the, the relevant features and how their product needs to look like and how to talk about the value proposition of your product so that customers will actually understand it. What is most important when doing this research? Um, the most important and probably also the most difficult thing at the very beginning is to get rid of your supplier's mindset uh, and shift it into a demand side mindset, which means like if you're a founder or an engineer or whatsoever, you're thinking in solutions. That is your job. Entrepreneurs mm -hmm. solve things, solve problems better than others and, and so you're trained in in understanding the world from your point of view from maybe technical point of view or whatsoever and, and you're always sticking to that solution and the difficult but most important thing is to to leave this solution completely and get completely rid of it and and and, and try to walk in your customer's shoes like how would how how looks the problem without your solution what what is the real problem that matters where your solution come into play but without even existing so how how will they how do they solve it without that mm -hmm. even existing 
this is sometimes difficult for startups in the in the, in the tech branches because they think that yeah but <laughs> there, there, there is nothing to compare with and uh, no no one can imagine because it's so genius it is so new that's fair but if you really will solve a problem that matters that problem exists even before your solution and if there is a problem that matters, people do have a solution for it. This solution might be crappy from your point, or from your engineer's point of view. Mm -hmm. It could be unsatisfying to deal with that problem from the customer's point of view. But you have to understand mm -hmm. the metrics of what means bad, what means good, what means gain, what means problem from the customer's point of view. And mm -hmm. it is really hard for engineers or for entrepreneurs to keep their solution out of this research mm -hmm. and to accept that people with a problem that matters do have other solutions and you need to, to find out under what circumstances they will change or switch from one crappy solution to another one to to get rid of that problem mm -hmm. and this is just you mentioned doing interviews when you do interviews you can just talk to people when you when you want to try out when you want to find out facts and not opinions as i mentioned before the opinions people tell you whatever you want to hear or what what, what comes up to their mind doesn't tell you a lot about how they really behave and then you can mm -hmm. in an interview about facts you can just deal with the past so you you have to you have to talk about the past behavior and like in a law trial trying to find out did they really behave that way that they told me as, mm -hmm. as they told me can i rely to this information and then you start listening to crazy stories like really weirdo stories sometimes you 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 start hearing things about funny workarounds sometimes illegal behaviors stuff like that if the problem really matters it's exactly what you will find mm -hmm. and that doesn't really seem to be linked to your engineer's way of seeing the world <laughs> mm -hmm. so you mentioned the, the there's always a problem and there are solutions to this problem even if the solution even if the solution is like accepting the problem and complaining to your friends about mm -hmm. it so this still is kind of a solution but often there are solutions that are totally outside of your scope of what you think is a solution yeah. um, maybe for this first part can you give one or two examples on what this might be what this might be we we have this example from uh, or the world best yoga mat that one of our clients or customers wanted to build mm -hmm. and world best meant that it has to be also 100 sustainable mm -hmm. so they built from their point of view the best yoga mat mm -hmm. which was a little bit wider than usual yoga mats And it was 100% sustainable, like made from renewable uh, sources of, of uh, ingredients whatsoever you, you could you mm -hmm. could, and offered it that way or marketed it that way. And the thing was, the price point was pretty different to what the 
usual yoga mat as mm -hmm. uh, as as marketing like uh, yoga mats in, in in the German market uh, about around about thirty euros average, and uh, that pr that product was priced around one hundred thirty euros. Which, I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> four four and a half times <laughs> the the price point, and it worked out okay until they they reached a top level like. Uh, where they did not grow anymore any further and they started mm -hmm. to, to try out okay why and, and how what can we do so we started with that research trying to figure out or find out what under what conditions a person changes long lastingly to a better more expensive yoga mat or whatsoever and so we found out that there were really crazy funny stories like some people use yoga mat just to decorate their home to represent a certain lifestyle they, they like to they, they, they like to be a part of so that others can see it so so a competitor to a yoga mat might be a plant for example yeah or a a, a little buddha statue or ceremony uh, you, you know these little baskets when you've been to indonesia whatsoever mm -hmm. see this little ceremony stuff and and, and flowers and yeah so uh, uh, for some people it was competing with uh, decorating and painting and stuff like that in other cases so then they, they they use in that case they prefer not even using a yoga mat to to do yoga but made the decision by design, like, looks it good or not. So and then we found out that there was a group of, of, of people uh, which were more suitable then, uh, where we found more of them using this certain yoga mat, but not as the first yoga mat, but it was their fifth or something. Like people who buy yoga mats for 30 euro, they buy one every three or five months because they're all mm -hmm. crappy they decompose it they are they, they become getting slippery they do stink when when you sweat mm -hmm. on them and you do more uh, harder exercises and stuff like that they get slippery and, and and so on so and then we found out that for example Yaskin says, okay, why aren't you buying from the beginning on a good one? Because you already spent more on crappy yoga mats as instead of spending once and buy mm -hmm. from the beginning on a, a better one and a good one. So and then we found like what were the the real the, the real causal reasons for it. So we had all these stories, they were all kind of different. You hear Like uh, ah another an, another really uh, really interesting weird weirdo story that we heard more than one time is like they had it they had to to digest some bad experiences like someone died or something like that like mm -hmm. uh, the father died and then they, they 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 traveled to Asia and had their the experiences and 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 bought there a yoga mat or something special and it helped mm -hmm. them to to store memories it was store also, memories yeah it, it was a store of memory and doing doing that sport and and uh looking at this yeah, artifacts like a yoga mat or whatsoever helps them to keep these memories in in their hearts or, or feeling closer to the people they they lost or stuff like that And it's like everything is kind of weird. You you hear these weird weirdo stories, and then you start linking it 
together uh, make the links, mm-hmm. like to put put them in in layers on top of each other, and then see where are the patterns, where are the mm-hmm. underlying patterns, and what do they all have in common? And then you, we could see, okay, the pattern to spend more was they had to make some certain experiences, like doing more exercises uh, with more efforts, and uh, to, to if you're not doing yoga for at least twenty minutes, exercising hard. You won't start sweating usually, so mm-hmm. it, uh, slippery is not an issue then. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter to those who are not in just for decorative purposes. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so we we, um, we put that all together and found out that there's one <laughs> one one special figure. Uh, I don't know what's in English, the downward-looking dog or something like that, maybe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is pretty in in advanced yoga courses which is supposed to to rest and uh, you usually do it when when you're already exhausted a little bit mm-hmm. and then when it then it's getting slippery especially doing it in groups you feel looking shitty because mm-hmm. like you feel like i'm not doing it well <laughs> when mm-hmm. your yoga mat slips away and it doesn't look really professional you don't get the feeling that you're uh, that you're getting better and better so we found out that that really was was a matter and could really easily work on that, um, improve materials and stuff like that for the product itself. But also it helped in marketing because we could work around all this typically suggested keywords when you're advertising on Google or on Amazon, when you're selling on Amazon your products, you're always betting on keywords that everybody mm-hmm. else does. And uh, we, by, by by this research, we found the exact wording, what we call the the customer language, to target and uh, saved a lot of money in ad spending, improved the return on marketing invest by three days or something. It would it was really a sh- really very short uh, mm-hmm. time to improve the conversion rates by reducing ad spending at the same time. So it ended up in about just a a 5x of sales in a question of two weeks, just by doing the research, really small set of interviews, like three years ago now, I think this project, where we interviewed about six to 10 people, I I think, if I -hmm. I remember right. I think there was about six, not not so many. Usually we do more, but six were enough that time. And that took us one week all together and then implementing it, changing the the advertising campaigns uh, and uh, getting the traffic away from Amazon to our own website or to their website. And uh, it was a growth in in 5X in in about uh, two weeks, just, just in sales. And then that helped to sell the old stock way quicker. Mm-hmm to get funds to build the new product, which was improved then exactly on that thing. So we knew then that the feature like fancy design did not matter. It was just expensive for the production. Mm-hmm. But for people who spend 130 euro for yoga mat, it does it, it wasn't it, it was not an it issue. Even even the bag, the carry bag. So let, let, let me summarize that. They started thinking that their competition were low price yoga mats. The features of a low-priced yoga mats were according to the competition of a low-priced yoga mats, which was partially a different competition because they competed not only with yoga mats, but with things that had the same job as decorative furniture, 
like plants or little buddhas like pictures of friends and family that passed away and they wanted to store the memory so they started doing yoga and connected the sport with the memory Mm -hmm. and also with things that made you look more professional in an advanced yoga class which would be the same like for fancy clothing made out of hemp and Mm -hmm. looks very sustainable and uh, hipster and whatever and then they eliminated one part like the design part which is relevant if you want the yoga mat basically as a design object and their yoga mat were too expensive as a design object so they could eliminate the design element focus on other things focus on what really mattered and then improve upon that. Yeah, one one important thing that I did not mention yet was the fact that it was sustainable. And they were advertising sustainable yoga mats, which were specially expensive uh, in, in ad spendings, these mm-hmm. keyword sets, because mm-hmm. there were other sustainable yoga mats. They weren't that mm-hmm. good because they had problems with the composition of the materials, because they mm-hmm. were not anti-slip or did not last for longer than three months of strong exercises and stuff like that, but while being more expensive and so on. So by that, we have learned that renewable sources of energy for production and uh, sustainable or environmental friendly materials, that really mattered, but just for the storytelling of the users. Like there was never a reason why they bought that stuff. That was just Mm -hmm. the story they told. So it was more like an add-on where they didn't really like to pay money for it. The first thing that matters to spend that much money was that the mat itself was technically perfect and suitable, not slippery for this hard exercising and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, being wider than others to have more real estate for for your exercises. And that was, that were the thing that matters. And so it was like, it had to be sustainable to beat the others on all other mm-hmm. features. That was that was the add-on. That was the last thing that matters, but not the first. So, and mm-hmm. that was uh, again another really real important feature. And this is something that uh, where I see strong parallels to the to the Bitcoin world, where we always focus on on, on this technical stuff and, mm-hmm. and Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. And as as we do in the in the real world for for any products, if it's vegan, for example, now even peas and carrots are vegan. Uh, I, I bet they have been before already, but now it's printed. <laughs> they printed yeah. on, <laughs> and it's, it's it's the same with sustainability. People do expect expensive and good products to be sustainable and environmental friendly. It's nothing to marketing. It's it's just like it's cheap marketing. It's like cheap tricking people into buying something and i think the product has to be good at first and then it has to be and then mm. it has to has a chance to be sold for a higher price and sustainability has to be in it as you may know this podcast is part of our ongoing effort to help companies improve their business models find their product market fit find their product language fit and especially help them in integrating Bitcoin as a technology into their existing business. However, just listening to the podcast doesn't get the job done, does it? So if you like the way we do this podcast, how we analyze business and want to upgrade your own business and take action, 
Denn send us a mail at podcast at utxo.solutions and we will see if we can help you with that. Podcast at utxo.solution. It's always worth a try. Let's tie it because I, I think there's a, a good way to tie this back to the Breeze story. So the Breeze story is basically they discovered if we make this more usable for merchants, or they did it and then they discovered a 10x growth. Mm-hmm. And so you would assume that the, the solutions that the merchants had were other solutions before. Mm-hmm. And what most people that have a wallet assume is that if you have one wallet, then your competitors are other wallets, just like for the yoga mats, it's other yoga mats. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you would assume that to to compete against the other wallets, you would have to have things like lower fees, uh, yeah. lower channel opening uh, fees, lower transaction fees, whatever. Yeah, that's what bullshit. That, that, that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. It just costs you money, uh, but you don't win exactly. a price with it and, uh, from yeah. the customer's point and, of view. And, yeah. and, and the interesting part is the customer maybe has a totally different job. Like for him, you either competing, which would be kind of obvious still, your competition wouldn't be other Bitcoin wallets, mm-hmm. but fiat merchant systems. And mm-hmm. so... The question is, how well can you replace a classical fiat merchant system, which has all the classical merchant functionality integrated, Mm -hmm. just for the sake so you can use Bitcoin? And if this becomes even slightly easier, then many people use it way more often. But you also have things like if you own a restaurant and you are a Bitcoiner, and this is part of your Bitcoin lifestyle, which is similar to sustainability or vegan or whatever, then you want to express this lifestyle by accepting Bitcoin in your store. If you look at the numbers, for example, uh, many stores that accept Bitcoin have less than 1% of their total transaction volume transacted in Bitcoin. So it's not actually a financial financial decision. It's often a A marketing decision. Marketing yeah. marketing, and lifestyle decision because all your Bitcoin friends are coming to your shop and like, hey, when can I pay in Bitcoin here and yeah. so on. And so you just want to offer this and make it as convenient as possible. But then you're competing with like Bitcoin shirts or yeah. Bitcoin art, yeah. which competes with having a, a working Bitcoin wallet and accepting Bitcoin, but on total different metrics. So exactly. like, how fast is it? I remember I've been on a conference and I've created a Bitcoin invoice and the creation of the Bitcoin invoice in the app took really long. The transaction didn't matter. The creation of the invoice took long and the other person said to me, my mom can do invoices faster than you. And this is clearly a social <laughs> this thing. This is insulting. It is an insult. It's a social <laughs> thing. And in this case, a Bitcoin t-shirt would have served my purpose to establish my Bitcoin lifestyle better than the app. And so okay. it's a negative progress marker. Yeah. And I didn't use <laughs> the app anymore after that for some time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like interesting. And that's a UX <laughs> feature and not a technical lightning backend implementation yeah. and way easier to do. Yeah, exactly. And hmm. so that is why it is so, if you want to be successful with with your product, with your technology, with Bitcoin or with sustainable yoga mats or whatsoever. You have to understand the reasons why people are choosing your product over whatever uh, over what other solution. And you need to know exactly the metrics of the trade-offs they're making in the moment mm-hmm. when they do the switch for the first time and 
you need to know the metrics, what makes them stick to your solution. This is, again, two different parts. Mm. But you won't have to care uh, to care about the second part, like for, for long lasting and loyalty, if you don't even have solved the first the switch. Yeah. So the other the other two things that you talked about were going on past behavior instead of predicted future assumptions. So what people did, not what they will do. In Germany, there's this great great comparison between Valomat, uh, which mm -hmm. is like a, a tool where you basically get a set of questions and then your answers get compared to the answers that political parties gave in uh, what they plan to do in the next election period. Mm -hmm. And then there is a second tool that basically does the same, but not for what they say they're going to do, but what they actually did in the last election period. Yeah. And it's vastly different with <laughs> which yeah. parties you agree, depending yeah. on their past behavior the, and their future behavior. The, the difficult thing, I mean, we, we were you, you've been asking what's the most important thing. And I said the most important thing is to tear down that wall between uh, demand and supply side or uh, mm -hmm. mindset. Mm -hmm. uh, and as a supplier, you have to cross the line to get to the other and it's really like a brick wall really solid mm -hmm. it's really hard to to get on the other side mm -hmm. but the next thing then is after that is that by studying the past you have to figure out how to do it that you can predict the future you need to find behavioral patterns mm -hmm. and that not just over different persons mm -hmm. that you do your research with but also patterns in that behavior. It's just like people are changing their behavior or making progress in cycles. Mm -hmm. So, and if you have the idea to, if you if you think you have an idea what the what the most mattering problem is that could be the reason to later on hire your product, your solution, or the problem that you 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 believe that it's strong enough that it's worth solving it better. You have to find at least two cycles from the people. Like, how did you solve it this time? And what did you do the other times? And what has been before that? Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes hard to dig out. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have a pattern, it's not really reliable. Uh, because then it's just, again, guessworking. So will it be like that? Or you, you need to interview more people like from more different backgrounds and other and different solutions or uh, different circumstances. Like how does it look in this circumstances? I mean, it makes a huge difference drilling a hole in the wall, the circumstances like doing it in a, in, on the, in, in, in your own property house on the countryside, uh, four o'clock afternoon as they come up with whatsoever solution with a power drill or whatsoever. And, and, and if you have to make a, a hole in the wall or to hang up a picture in, in, in your condo and in, in a, uh, in the city center of, of Berlin, New York, <laughs> whatsoever uh, at five o'clock, uh, in the morning, you're probably going to come up with uh, th that circumstances probably lead to other solutions <laughs> to, to get uh, the picture on the wall or to make even a hole in the wall as, as just using the noisy power tool. So, so circumstances matter a lot, circumstances but they're difficult, difficult to get out of people because 
they are not aware of how the circumstances influence them unless you ask them the right way. So that is the work that you have to do as an innovator up front. Like you have to ask yourself, like, what do I believe? What 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 relevant problem is my my idea solving? And how might people solve it right now? And under what circumstances they come to different solutions and what makes them switch? Mm -hmm. And if you have that, then you can start hiring or recruiting interview candidates by these metrics like okay one was like it's a guesswork it's doing assumptions mm -hmm. or hypotheses like hypothesis versus assumption is the hypothesis you can you can prove it mm -hmm. or you cannot prove it or What's the word? I don't know. My English is not so mm. good. Um, falsify. Falsify. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can falsify mm -hmm. it. An assumption is just an assumption. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, and as it, like from Roy's point of view now, that could be okay. We believe that merchants who, has to, who have to deal with payments for their web shops uh, from foreign customers are seeking for better solutions to avoid chargeback risk and to reduce fees, for example. Mm -hmm. So, and then you have to create ideas like, what do you think? Like, so you need to find out with who do I need to talk to find out the circumstances under, under, under which circumstances they do switch. So you need the switchers mm -hmm. who recently hired a new solution for them new it doesn't mean that it needs to be new 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 it could be mm -hmm. from mastercard to paypal whatever from paypal to stripe from whatever doesn't matter mm -hmm. but you need to find out why are they switching it could also be if you if your assumption on why people or your hypothesis on why people switch on what the circumstances yeah. could be totally different and it was this would change your recruiting patterns for the interview partners like if your if your assumption is that it's important for your bitcoin lifestyle that as a merchant you have a solution that is non-kyc mm -hmm. and where you have full control over your funds then you would look for let's say people that switch from wallet of satoshi to breeze mm -hmm. if you looked for why people switch to a different payment provider then you would like to from people that switched from Visa to mm -hmm. PayPal. And if you or changed to a digital solution during Corona, when circumstances changed, and then so depending on what the yeah. circumstances are that you assume are there, you would change the recruiting pattern. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. And it might be that you find out that in the field of helping people to reduce uh, chargeback risks, that you're competing with insurance companies, for example. Mm-hmm. So it might it's, it's nothing technical at, at all, mm -hmm. but you have to understand it before yeah. because if you if you don't understand it, you don't know what features you need to beat the competition from the customer's point of view. Yeah. All right. There's one thing I would like to to have you because I mean, there's doing good interviews is really difficult. It takes a lot of experience, and it makes a big difference in in how well you can actually work with the data depending on how good the good data is that you collected up front and there's a lot i mean we have a master class just for that so that people can learn how to do it or start their journey on how to do it but we do it for them as well if yeah. if need be but even though you will 
even if you you buy a research for a new product, it's good to learn how to do these things yourself anyway, because you will need it all the time. One thing that I find people struggle a lot with conceptually and practically is how to ask questions that aren't biased by what you already think. Because <laughs> if you have an idea what people are going to say, surprisingly, they will say exactly this because you hear only this, even yeah. though they said something completely different. That's can really hard. Tell to... a, yeah. Can you tell a few words on, if you're just beginning, how do you start with questions that contain less bias than before? Like you could start with making a table or let's say a, a little matrix of good and bad questions, like leading questions or and, and suggesting things always not a good idea if you really want to learn something that matters most to you. Mm -hmm. So you could you could say, okay, you want to ask fact-based questions and M make not, an not, example. Let, let's, uh, and not versus what you don't want, opinion-based questions. Yeah. Opinion-based question is okay, would you use a Bitcoin payment layer, if it's implemented good, you're asking for their opinion. Yeah, why not? I might use it. Yeah, that's an opinion-based question. A fact-based question is, have you ever used something new like that? When was the last time you did this? This is fact-based. Opinions mm -hmm. don't help you at all. Mm -hmm. So, and just by getting clear what's the difference, you start seeing your mistakes. You, 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 you won't start, you won't come up with a perfect interview. You just need to start, just mm -hmm. go out and, and talk to the people and observe how you ask and what they answer. That's the first step. You probably could not really make good use of the results of these interviews, but you're getting better and better and better. And doing it everywhere. Doing it everywhere, yeah, like you did. <laughs> you start with that. <laughs> you can turn yeah. everything, every, every, every talk in, in a, uh, a jobs interview. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the second, so we had opinion, opinion questions, fact, fact questions, and then we have solution oriented qu uh, asking and and problem oriented asking. It is basically the same. Uh, the question the question I came up with for the uh, opinion base was would you use this is already is not just an opinion question is also a solution question solution oriented because mm -hmm. I offer a solution a new solution and that prevents me from understanding really the problem mm -hmm. a question oriented was could be like okay how did you know that it was not good the time you tried it mm -hmm. how did you see how what was your experience with it why this why did it not work well mm -hmm. this is problem oriented asking mm -hmm. so you have then now you have four examples two for good or for better questions two for not so good questions and mm -hmm. you just use this pattern to observe yourself while talking to customers or potential customers or problem owners there, there's one more question that you use a lot which is like when asking for context. And I like this a lot. It's like mm -hmm. when people tell you a story, one mm -hmm. question you often ask is, so 
did you just wake up one morning and decide <laughs> I'm going to do this or what happened just before that? Yeah. And it is interesting because it opens them up about the context and you learn a lot about the context. They, they just It's part of their memory, but it's not part of their explicit memory. So yeah, people don't it's, talk it's, about it that often. It's, it's not conscious for them. This is yeah. oftentimes, I mean, if you, if, if you ask me now, why did you buy this beanie I'm wearing right mm -hmm. now while doing mm -hmm. this interview? It's no idea. It's, Honestly, I have no idea when that happened. I cannot remember. Mm -hmm. But if you give context and if you're asking for context, you help people to start remembering situations, stuff like that. And you can ask, okay, do you remember what was it? What was it a weekday? Was it uh, was it weekend? Was it a Monday? Were you at work that moment when you first time start Googling for whatsoever? When did you buy it? When did you buy it? And, and then people oftentimes don't start talking immediately because they have hard, hardly to think, mm -hmm. to remember, <laughs> yeah. to get back in time and finding themselves in, in these situations. And, and, and sometimes people say, yeah, okay, I Googled it and I found it there and then I, then I bought it. And I said, okay, you just Googled, found it, stood up of your chair and walked straight to the store to to buy it oh uh, no 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 it was not like that so and <laughs> this is just like it helps me to remember myself not to take an information as given when there were really no information about the thing i need to learn yeah yeah that's that's a good also i think it's important to keep in mind that memories the, the purpose of memories is not actually to be a correct reconstruction of the past, but rather to store learnings from the past. And that might mean that, for example, if I ask you, why did you buy this beanie that you have on your head? You might tell me the reasons why you like the beanie, but that wouldn't have been the reasons why you bought the beanie in the first. <laughs> exactly. And exactly. that's like yeah, but a typical so, fallacy. And, and, and as we, as a researcher for our own business, I mean, Our asses are depending on our business to be working, to mm -hmm. generate more revenues than costs. Mm -hmm. So, and if we if we miss these details, we are assuming oftentimes without even knowing that we are assuming. Mm -hmm. The unknown assumptions. Exactly. And then you're again competing against luck. I mean, this is a book Clayton Christensen wrote in 2016 that, My colleague Eckhart, who developed that framework with me, had the pleasure to translate it in, in, in German language. Mm -hmm. And I mean, always remember with who you want to compete. You don't want to compete against luck. And it's all basically predictable. And it's we have to we have to change our mindset from a suppliers to demand side mindset mm -hmm. to this jobs mindset and developing a honest curiosity about how do things work yeah you without can't that. pushing without suggesting then we can learn so then let's sum this episode up because i think it has been quite a wild <laughs> divergent <laughs> <Of> ride <laughs> yeah it's quite a bumpy so, road here <laughs> the basic idea is we talked to roy he experienced twice a tenfold increase in usage of the Breeze app 
after he discovered a new market by providing a better solution, a better value proposition to an existing demand. And when you want to find out how you can, when you find these out, when you don't just want to encounter them by luck, if you want to encounter them ahead of time, it's important to do user research and try to stick to the past behavior instead of opinions and try to get bias-free information on why people decided to do something mm -hmm. and not go from the solution, but always from the problem, properly understand the problem. I mean, Albert Einstein said, if you want to understand, uh, have one hour to, to, to solve a problem, you should spend 55 minutes to understand it. And then we had some... Yeah, everybody to agrees do and does differently. Okay. Yes, yes, <laughs> but uh, that's often the case. Yeah. Great. I think this won't be the last episode we did on the topic of user yeah. research. Yeah. And and please let us know for any question you have us uh, to discuss in, in this podcast. If, if there's a topic you want to dive us deeper into it or want to learn something more detailed, uh, just leave us a message by email or by or mailbox or whatsoever medium of choice very good <laughs> yeah peter thank you for this and to everyone out there continue building on bitcoin and have a great day <laughs> bye bye if you are thinking about how you can use this fascinating technology of bitcoin to improve strengthen or make your own business more successful then just reach out because that is exactly what we do. We help companies with our consulting, trainings, workshops and programs, especially with our careful innovation program and the jobs to be done framework to find out the best way for them and to implement it efficiently. So if you want it for your business, all you have to do now is just click the link in the show notes to book a free meeting and let's find out in a short meeting if and how we can help your business to make progress as well.